0: Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Sheryl Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 44 years of industry experience. Along with me on the ride today is Bill Shurrell, a guy that's got a few miles on the odometer and always has a lot of great questions. Welcome back, Bill.
1: Thanks, Rob, and so happy to be here.
0: Today, we're recording on location at the Portage County Humane Society right here in Plover, Wisconsin. Joining our podcast as guests are Sherry, our executive director, and Dolores, a former board president and continues to be a favored volunteer for sure. Hello, ladies.
2: Good morning. Good, good morning, morning.
0: Rob. Good to be here. I'm not sure who's the guest of who. You've got us here at your location, but you are a guest on our podcast.
2: Well, we appreciate you coming out, and maybe when we finish our podcast, we could even look at some
0: animals. That would be great, and my wife would love it if I brought something home, but we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> Either way, we're all in good company here, so everything's great. Today, we're talking about traveling safely with your pet. And what could be better than to speak with the experts on that? It's probably no surprise that dogs are the most popular pets in the U.S. Nearly 50 million households have at least one dog. That's what I dug up. And that's crazy. What type of pet do you all think would come in second?
3: Cats. For cats. Sure.
0: For sure. For and, and you two would know that for sure. Cats, for sure.
3: Actually, I thought cats were leading. Yes. <laughs>
0: Cats are some of the oldest known pets. As a matter of fact, scientists have discovered that cats have been kept as companions as far back as 9,500 years ago. And then comes fish and reptiles.
1: Well, the the fish is like very easy, low maintenance.
2: <laughs> yes, you don't have to take them out for a walk.
0: Absolutely. And yes. you for sure aren't going to travel with your fish.
1: It's possible, but probably
3: not.
0: <laughs> and I don't think reptiles fare very well in the car either.
3: No. Probably not. <laughs>
0: Well, there's more to pet travel than just hopping in and putting the car and drive. We know that for sure. And that's why we're here today to sort this out. So hitting the road with your pet, there is a lot to consider. There's a lot more, as I dug into this, a lot more than I ever thought there was to this, for sure. First and foremost, is going to be safety for everybody aboard. And that's not only your pet, but all of us as well. All the humans, of course, the driver for sure. Things like restraints, pet travel gear, car carrier protection. A pre-travel vet checkup, identification, vaccinations—it goes on and on. There's all kinds of things to consider. We'll sort this all out later on. Pets are definitely part of the family, and you know they need a vacation too. I think you'd all agree with that. (laughs) In my research, I had come up with a 2018 survey, so we're going back a few years. But 95% of pet owners were planning at least one overnight trip. So, what are the reasons that we travel with our pets? What are the thoughts?
3: Family. They need to come with us all the time. You know, there's so many of us that enjoy our pets so much that maybe this is all we have, too. You know, this is part of our family. So they come with us because they enjoy it, too. As you said, they need a vacation also. And sometimes it's really hard to get a pet sitter also at home if you're going to be gone a long time. And you want to make sure your pet is taken care of the way you want them to. So it's always best to bring them with
2: you. There's a term called fur babies, and a lot of ah. people use that, but they really are. They really are, and it's been normal now to even take them shopping. You'll see a lot of the pets, and we have a lot of emotional animals now, too, and emotional support, and they go where their human goes.
0: So they really are kids in many cases. Yes, Absolutely. So it's very important that we are making it comfortable and pleasurable for them as well as ourselves. The last thing that we would need would be to have a stressful vacation because our pet is not a good rider, I guess, or a good traveler. Right, right. So how would I know that my dog will travel well if we're just starting this idea?
2: Well, it's very interesting. I've recently been going through some studies on that and some research. And what if your dog hates the car? There could be a variety of reasons for that. It could be that they don't feel it's enjoyable, that they're scared. We put our animals in the front seat, many of us, and we don't strap them in or buckle them in and they feel unsteady, uncertain. Also, it could be determined that they have motion sickness. Motion sickness shows a lot of different symptoms like diarrhea and extensive drooling. Their body posture will tell you that they're scared. Their lips might be pulling back. You put your dog in the back seat, they might be pacing back and forth in the back seat. They might even vomit or whine. And these are all signs, body language, that you need to identify in your pet, just like you would a human or a child. And if you suspect your dog suffering with this, it's best to make an appointment with your vet There's also overstimulation. Some animals are in little booster seats and they're looking out the window, but they're seeing trees fly by, especially if you're on an interstate going 70 miles an hour and you're passing other cars and it's noisy. If you're in a large metropolitan area where people are honking their horn, that can also cause a lot of anxiety to pets. So you have to understand their emotional reaction. Despite your best efforts, it's sometimes just not clear why your dog hates the car. And that's what a lot of people understand. So we've tried all sorts of things. You can get a fitted sheet to block his view out of the windows. You can also try a crash tested harness where it can clip into probably a seatbelt. And there's also a variety of dog seats out there as well that are all crash tested for safety. And that might help minimize. Another thing you could do is walk your dog past the car every day. Put a treat by the door of the car. Good idea. Open the car door for a week, get him used to the car, put another little treat inside the car so your dog feels comfortable jumping in the car for that treat. You might even try a dinner bowl so the dog will get used to jumping then in the car. But it's baby steps and it takes a lot of patience. If your dog is afraid of car rides, this won't be solved in a week. So if you're planning a long trip on Saturday and you're going to start this on Monday, it just might not work real well. (laughs) This is part of training your animal.
0: You know, you mentioned the trees going by fast and the movement and all the noises. That's not natural for an animal, really. So we're really trying to bring them out of their natural senses, I guess, if you will. Which I would think would be kind of difficult. So are there certain breeds that travel better than others as far as you know?
3: Not necessarily. I think your biggest thing is to get your dog started early. If you do have a puppy or something like that, get them started early. And as Sherry was saying, you know, start with baby steps. I would take them in the car, go around the block then reward them. You know, good dog and everything. Make it a positive experience all the time. Then go a little farther and keep going farther, but always a positive situation with your dog. There are some dogs that are doing great in cars, but then there's some, if you adopt an animal, you don't know what the background is. It's we have that problem all the time with animals that are adopted. If we don't know their history, we don't know where to start. So it's always wise to start out very slowly and positively all the time. And again, make it a positive thing. Don't feed your animal right before you get in the car. Mm guess what? It's going to be in the back seat pretty soon or really not fast, fun
0: trust trip. trust me.
1: And also, are a lot of those still restraints and mm. that same, I guess I'll say preventative, applied to cats as well? Or do normally cats ride in carriers? I always think of...
3: Yeah, I would put your yes. cat in a carrier. And with your carrier, too, make sure you have it strapped in also. Because if the carrier is not strapped down... You get stopped, you get hit from the back. That's a missile going forward.
1: So are those carriers usually able to be strapped into like... They
3: are. You can put the seatbelt over Uh and top of the carrier through that way. But again, always figure out some way. And even like with uh, some of the restraints with your dog, if your dog is afraid, put the restraint on him to begin with. Put him in front of him outside, Again, before you strap him up in the car and he's like shaking, what is this? Try and do it ahead of time, just like with leash training your dog all the time. Again, always positive factors all the time so they get used to that certain type of restraint around them. And then when they go in the car, it's not a big deal. So again, make them as comfortable as possible.
0: I think you should put a clinic on. You're very new at it. <laughs>
1: 28 <laughs> <She does> years <laughs> this travel safety. A lot of experience there for sure. Traveling
2: with pets is not just stressful for the pet, but for the driver as well. Absolutely. Mm. If you have a loose dog in the car. Yeah. You're constantly looking to see where the dog is. And a cat is even worse. They will hide under the seats. They might even chew on wires and things. Right. Oh. So we really talk about car seats and restraints and we preach it. Yeah, And we really don't allow an animal leaving our shelter unless it's properly restrained in the car. Yeah. Also, loud music. I kind of laugh sometimes when we have younger people adopt animals. The first thing they do is crank up the music and the volume in your car, and you can see the animal just shaking. They have to learn to accommodate their ears to that kind of a thing as well. Right. So we don't advise people to just start cranking up all your tunes going through. Also, proper restraining on animals. They belong in the back seat. I know we all want a little buddy in the front that we can talk to when we're driving along. (laughs) Yeah. But you wouldn't put your child in the front seat.
0: No. Good point. So you yeah.
2: put your dog in the back, yeah. or just like you would your baby. That's where it's properly restrained, and, and that's the safest place to be.
3: Yeah, for safety issues. And make sure they are not sticking out the window. I was going to you know, say, that is the number one classic uh, thing.
1: Uh, is yes, that a yes, safe yes, that's thing not or good bad thing. It's
3: so cute. You know, you see this dog's right. head out the window, and everybody's like, oh, look at that dog. Well, guess what's flying in their eyes or in their mouth or something like that, too. So you never know. I've known of many accidents where especially the dog's eyes, there's always debris flying. Mm. And if you're going 60 miles an hour and something... can be good. Exactly. Your dog will be fine once you take him out all the time. Just like I say with people, if uh, you're traveling with your dog or if you're going to the store, my dog really has to go to the store with me. He has to. No, he doesn't. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. take him around the block bring him home, he'll be happy, and then go to the store and take your time at the store kind of thing. This way your dog is happy, they don't know what happened, everybody's
0: good. So really baby steps is what I'm hearing. Really? Yeah. Just take it slow and make everything positive. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Someone recently asked me, isn't it illegal to have your dog roaming around the car or to put it in the back of your pickup truck? And in some states it is, but this is pretty sad. Over eighty percent of dog owners drive with their dog unrestrained in their car. And that's really sad. That's one thing we really like to change. And that's just according to surveys. With more states enacting legislation, driving with a loose dog could soon become illegal where people Mm -hmm. live. In Wisconsin, there have animal statutes that make it illegal to transport an animal in or on a vehicle in a cruel manner, but they don't have anything about just everyday joy riding. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And it's a loose animal in the car, which can be a distraction. Okay. You know, we're talking about people should not be texting while driving it should not be on their phone well if you've got your dog running from the passenger seat into your lap back and forth that's You're a distracted. distraction <laughs> exactly. you are distracted exactly and it's not just you there's other cars on the road right? so you might be swerving or something like that being distracted by your dog so we have to again be safety in mind for everybody
0: so do you have any good traveling dogs here for adoption <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry well now we don't No, but you know, that's interesting you bring that up because animals can't talk. And we don't know if some of the animals Mm -hmm. we have had in here have been in a car accident. That would be another reason for them to be terrified to even getting a vehicle. Right, yeah. right. All the time. So
1: oftentimes you talk about a breed and the sure. sort of temperament. Sure. So their car riding is not usually built into the breed exactly. at this Correct. point. Exactly. It varies yeah. based yeah. across it's, all breeds. It's
3: not breed specific at all. It's a learning process for all of us. Just as, as we bring our children into a car, we don't know if our child's going to get car sick and everything right. too, you know. So, again, it's something we have to really think about and do those baby steps that we talked about
0: all the time.
1: Sounds like there's a lot of behavioral education <laughs> and development Always. before you travel well with your pet. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: A lot of great information. This is just information overload for sure. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard to even remember that we're in, yeah. a, in a All About the Car podcast yeah. here, oh, yeah. but this is all yeah. about travel yeah. and with our kids, so to say, our, yeah. our pets, for sure.
3: I would say, too, as you said, All About the Car Make sure your car is tuned up, as you well know. You know, make sure everything is checkpointed on your car because if you break down, then you have you and you got your dog to worry about too. So I think that's the biggest thing. Step-by-step, have the car checked out for going on a trip Mm -hmm. for everything. Make sure you're gassed up, whatever you have to do, and make sure everything is safe. And it starts right there with your car being safe and driving ability is good. And then go on to the people and your dog.
0: Well, there's a lot to consider. Like we said in the very beginning here, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to think about and consider. Not only our pets, but ourselves as drivers, are. our other passengers, and now our car. we got to worry about all this. Everything's got to be ready to go and ready to roll for sure. As we always do, we take a side trip on a road trip to Wisconsin. So I thought it would be fitting that we looked for a dog-friendly destination. So I did some research on two Dells boat tours, and that's the Wisconsin Dells, which is a very popular Wisconsin destination but very dog friendly. You can bring your dogs on the boat. They make a couple stops where you can get off and the dogs can do their things. And I'm assuming (laughs) cats as well.
3: (laughs) That That might be tough. That that might might be a real
2: interesting boat ride.
0: (laughs) But they do say that as long as they're leashed and there's plenty of room on the boat, mm. they have no problem with it and they actually support it. These boat tours have a Bring Fido guest rating and scored a five bones out of five bones. Oh, that's wow. Awesome. That's great. By canine critics on Bring Fido. So this is all accredited to Pet Friendly. And has anybody been on the Dell's boat tours?
3: I have years ago. I have you know, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're fantastic. And what can you tell yeah. us
0: about those if your memory serves you?
3: I think it's it's just the nature, the beauty that Wisconsin has to offer, and especially in the Dells. It's just unique. This is why so many people from other states come to the Dells to see it, because it's just a unique form that we have and we're lucky to have in Wisconsin. And I think what I've heard, too, is people from Wisconsin are so much more friendly. Which we are. I agree. <laughs> yes. I agree
1: with that. And all for these sure. tours are on the duck boats. So talking
3: oh, yeah. about a ducks yes. as
1: pets, potentially, you know, people have ducks nice as pets. Nice segue there. So, but I mean, they're the amphibious tours. Sure, you go on land and then you go to the water. That I did that. Oh, it's probably only five years ago oh, that okay. some people again were visiting and like, where do you go? That's a short day trip somewhere in the state. And the Dells was a great destination this summer, yeah. and we took a boat trip.
0: I hate to say this, but of all the times that I've been to the Dells, I've never seen the rough cut part of the Dells. The reason the Dells oh, are there you right. know, yeah. already as a destination, I've always been the glitz and glamour and the water parks and right. okay. and the touristy thing. So The
1: rock formations oh, is what makes the That's Dells. what really started the whole thing, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> the
2: water, the river, the exactly. glaciers, yeah. all the glacier runoff, yeah, all that type of thing. But that,
1: that goes well beyond my, you
2: know. I'm just curious, do they supply little preservers for the oh, dogs? Oh, good question.
0: Good feedback. I do not know. I did not come up with any of that information.
1: But that is a great question yeah. about, you Life know, jackets. boat safety, talking about traveling outside of the car necessarily. But if you're going on your boat, that's oftentimes the case. Always,
2: Yeah. Another thing I would think about is, I think that would work it great for smaller dogs, but some of the larger dogs would probably take an entire row.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'd to buy a separate yes. chair seat yes. for that.
2: yes. <laughs> and I would think before you take your dog on there, you'd make sure your dog does not have dog anxiety with That's other dogs. That's what I was wondering.
0: How does that mix work? You never know what you're going to get, right?
3: I would be leery of that, to be honest with you, and I don't know if they double-check with the visitors coming on, if they have a certain questionnaire for the visitors. Mm -hmm. Is your dog friendly with other dogs? Have all of its immunizations, rabies. Does he have a history of biting or anything like that? You know, because it can get tricky, especially, as Sherry said, if your dog has any anxiety whatsoever. Have they been on a boat before? Right. If this is their first time... You know, we better be.
1: I'm right a fine. real Debbie yeah. Downer, aren't I? Don't know
0: this, yeah. Yeah. this was supposed to be a fun road trip. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> prevention, behavioral yeah. prevention yeah. and yeah. understanding of the limits yeah. of your animal. Yes. yes. Definitely yes. sure sounds yeah. like Absolutely. it
3: to me. Yeah.
0: Like I mentioned earlier, we have the experts with us here today. (laughs) So this is working out great. And it's all things that we need to think about before we take on what could be a task. Absolutely. And the
1: Dells is a great place to go with or without your animal. But even still, I think it's more interesting that there are places and there are websites to verify whether the facility itself is built and has accommodations for animals to start with. I mean, if you're taking your dog into a situation that isn't accommodating at all, then it's just going to be to begin with sure oh sure absolutely
0: let's take it back to the road here let's kind of sort some of these things out a little further in detail a lot of these things we've already talked about already in regards to safety and preparation Uh, pet restraint systems there's a lot of different things out there different types of restraint systems that i found what do you think is best and you may have touched on this earlier
3: the best really is go to a good pet store and everything because most of those people have the experience and they have the products there that will show you, and you can measure your dog then too. I've seen it a lot of times people will come in with a little chihuahua, but they'll buy this pet restraint that's way too big for them, oh. so they're not secure enough. So always make sure that the pet restraint is secure also to your car and fits your dog's size and its needs and everything. Maybe it's just a little car seat that's buckled in really good. Maybe it has to be a carrier. You just don't know, depending on your dog and, again, the size of the dog.
2: I uh, would also like to add to that, that the Center for Pet Safety is an organization Mm -hmm. that does dog equipment crash tests at 30 miles per hour. Oh, really? Which that's really important. Yeah. So before you buy, check out that equipment. Go to that website, go to that organization, and they'll tell you if this product has been tested or not. It's undoubtedly... You want to be safe and you want your pets to be safe. And I recently purchased a little car seat for my pup and found out it was mind-boggling. It's like, it would be like buying a car. There's so many options and colors and fabrics that it was really mind-boggling. And so I really and personally put an emphasis and a priority on where they crash tested. And that's how I determined what to purchase. Dolores earlier talked about dogs being propelled. And it's really a problem. I guess I'd like to dedicate this part of the podcast. Linda Leindecker, if you're listening, (laughs) Linda is an EMT in Plover. And she came to us and she said, as an EMT, when you're out on the highway and you're out on the roads and there's a car accident, she said the animals suffer the worst especially Aww. when they're yeah. not properly restrained. restrained. yeah. And so before someone adopts, uh, when we sit down and have our closures with them, we always ask them to please make sure in the future that their animals are properly Yeah, restrained. think about
3: that all the time. Especially like people are driving in pickup trucks. You always see that dog in the back of a pickup right.
0: truck. Yeah, that just cannot be a good thing at all.
3: It's really not. You can put your dog back there, make sure you have proper restraints back there for them. Because again, all you need is a slight... Right, And your dog can be a missile all the time. And I caution people also, again, going back to the little dog in the front seat sitting on your lap. If you're in a crash, you've got the steering wheel, then you've got your airbag and your dog between you. Boom, boom, boom. Guess the who bag gets crushed. Is right,
1: is not engineered for a dog. Exactly, to be exactly. Yes.
3: Yeah. So, as much as you love your dog, love them even more and restrain them so
2: they're safe and everything and they go home with you. Harness systems are one way to help mm-hmm. with a car seat, mm-hmm. but those are also tested and they're critical in harnessing your dog inside. I've got a little puppet, it's a shizu. And he wants to look out the window. And some of them come with little booster seats. Well, be wary of those too, that you're not too high up, that he's actually sitting out of the car seat instead of sitting in it. And he likes to look out the window, and that's great in the back seat. But the harness is critical, a really good harness. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, is there such thing as allowing your pet to travel in the camper? No, pull behind camper, uh, pickup truck camper.
3: I wouldn't advise either. Again, unless you have some kind of restraint system within the camper. I don't know if that's even legal because I know people cannot travel in a camper that you're pulling or something. So I truly do not know what the legality system is state to state. But
0: it doesn't sound good. It doesn't to me sound me. good, no. but
3: again, if you do have your pets in a camper in the back, again, put them in some kind of restraint system where they are not subject, again, to be missiles in case something happens. Even if you stop fast, let's right. think about it. Put a glass of water on your dash, and if you stop fast, boom, there it goes. Well, there
2: goes your dog or your cat also. And some leashes can even act like a A choke yo-yo. They will just uh, boomerang out and boomerang back because it's on that animal's neck.
3: Yeah. Again, proper restraint, not just restraint, but proper restraint for your animals and the safety.
0: A lot of good restraint information to take note of here for sure. And I hope you're all out there. We're taking good notes because there's a lot of information here. I want to go back also now to our conversation previously, where we're talking about getting your pet accustomed to and ready for and used to a car and a car ride and in baby steps. We talked all about that too. So let's picture ourselves making this trip with our pet. I always refer to dogs in this case. We're not talking too much about cats. I don't know how well they travel, but in the event of a dog, I mean, how often should we stop our cars for a break? Let's say we're heading out to California, long trip. I think
3: the biggest thing is to get to know the personality of your dog. I could tell my dog when he needs water, when he's thirsty, or when he has to go. You just got to make sure, you know, you know that dog. And again, if it's a younger dog, their bladders are not really trained well yet. (laughs) If you have a puppy or an older dog, if you know your dog has to go to the bathroom often gauge your stopping by that then you know always look for whatever wayside you're coming to walk your dog in the dog section that they always have make sure you have plenty of water for your dog too all the time because with the driving don't forget your dogs can't sweat they're always panting and if they're getting a little anxious in the car that panting produces dehydration Even more. So they might get a little more thirsty. Just a little bit of water just to ease that thirst value, you know, and keep them hydrated all the time too. I think the biggest thing is we have to be aware of our pet and you could see the little signs that he's getting a little anxious and it's like, Oh, it's potty time
1: (laughs) And something you just said, traveling in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. we are very used to waysides. Right. Not all states have those same type of facilities that Wisconsin has an amazing wayside yeah we do. Yes. And I think that that's one of those things of map out and where am I going to find pet friendly places that are going to if in the summer it's not just one large hot parking lot. Sure.
3: Sure. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. I know when I travel with my dog, my husband and I, I'm always keeping track of how many more miles to the next wayside or something all, right. all the time. Sure. So then I know, okay, we do have to stop for sure, because I know my dog's going to have to go. And just to make sure you don't have accidents in the car.
0: Reminds me of traveling with kids when they, when my Bingo. kids were young. Right. <laughs> you got to look at the next That's exit. It. Yep. There's another exit coming up here.
3: You're still going to get there. You're still going to get there. And your dog can't ask how much farther. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Uh, So let's talk a little bit more about feeding on these long trips. So obviously your cat or dog or whatever you've got with you has to eat as well. So now I read that you shouldn't feed feed them in a moving vehicle. Is there any truth to that?
3: Yes. I mean, depending on what you're doing, to be honest with you, sometimes I might give my dog a little treat or something to keep him calm down, but not a full meal all the time. This is when we all stop and then you can feed your dog accordingly. And your dog should be on a time schedule anyhow. We feed our dog in the morning. Maybe you give him something in the afternoon, maybe towards the night. So again, knowing your dog's schedule
2: keep them on the same schedule. So keep
0: them on the schedule they're accustomed to. Bingo. And the
2: same food. Right, and yeah. the same food that they're used to. So, you're stopping for a cheeseburger, and it sure is good, but if your dog's not accustomed oh. to it, that would not be so a This fun is not ride. the time to go off the diet, right? Like you know. Know. right. humans often too, <laughs> exactly. When exactly. Traveling. exactly. Yes, so ice cream, yeah, pancakes, candy. Candy. Yeah. Yeah. Candy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: all the good
0: convenience yeah. to yeah. foods. Yeah, a pet really. going at the ice cream shop. You don't yeah. want to do that while you're traveling.
3: Exactly. <laughs> nope, it, again, it might wind up in the back seat. Yes, <laughs> oh, that's
0: yeah, that paper towels folks (laughs) yeah when's the last time you should actually feed your pet a meal before you start the trip
3: again i think it depends stay on schedule of their feeding schedule if they do get a little anxious in the car start out with a little bit more of an empty tummy don't feed them as much. And as the day goes on, then you can feed them a little bit more because they're more apt to settle down more. So if you are traveling and their next feeding time is like, say, in two and a half hours, well, then you can feed them a little bit more. But I would not overfeed them at all.
0: Good information for sure. I'd like to just also touch on the temperatures that our pets are having to deal with uh, that we might be accustomed to. But what's too cold and too hot? And we just want to kind of touch on that a little bit the research that i did and correct me if i'm wrong here and i'd love to hear what you have to say is 35 degrees on the cold side anything below that might be too cold and anything above 70 degrees does that make sense did i read correctly
3: outside 70 in a car at 70 that could get up to 100 degrees right after a while radiant heat Radiant, and especially if you're in a parking lot, the asphalt point. of a furnace underneath because the sun is, the heat is absorbed into the asphalt and people don't think about that. You know, well, I have my window cracked open a little bit, mm, still doesn't work. If there's not a really cool breeze coming through and all the windows are cracked open and there's no shade, it still gets to be a furnace in that car and we really have to think about it. Let's put a coat on. And sit in that right. car, oh, you know, man.
0: with the sun I, coming in. That's mm.
3: right. I
2: often tell people, then you'll know how it feels. <laughs> right. I'd also like to add. There's a couple products out there too, like baby shades that they connect oh, yes. to the window of a car, and you can pull the shade down. That's not a cure. It's not going to solve everything, but at least it'll help them while you're traveling when the sun's beating through that vehicle. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to talk a little bit more right now about our pet's health and identification. Now, you know, we've all heard the heart-wrenching story, newsflash, dog reunited with grieving family after losing on a family trip. Right. You hear those stories all the time because they really tug at our hearts. Mm -hmm. What kind of preparation is there, should we be doing before we head out across the country trip like this?
3: Especially a big trip like that. Yeah. A Make sure your dog is taken to the vet. Have a total checkup on that dog. Make sure they are up to date on all their vaccinations for the dog. Make sure you have a copy of all your medical records for that dog, too, because a lot of times people will say, well, I have a rabies tag on my dog's collar. Your dog gets lost. That collar so many times gets pulled off for some reason. Your dog should also be microchipped. Because that is a huge key with reuniting your dog back to you all the time. Every animal here that leaves the shelter who is adopted is microchipped. Every animal for the safety of you and your animals. So you make sure your animal is brought home to you.
0: Is that standard of every Humane Society no, facility? Not, every, no. not okay.
2: every, but ours is. We even microchip rabbits.
0: Oh, wow. We even have
2: some beautiful pet rabbits. (laughs) Is
1: that microchip attached to my cell phone then? Like, are they going to call me?
3: No. You know what happens? It is attached to a company. So in every shelter or every veterinarian should have a microchip scanner. Okay. So if Joe Smith brings your dog into some veterinarian, you know, I found this dog. They will scan the dog. The microchip number will pop up with the company they will call the company and then the company calls you for your privacy. But another key thing too is if you're changing, you're, you're moving, call the company and make sure the company, the microchip company knows your new number, your new phone number, your new address and all too. So, so that, does
1: that microchip also, do those companies also carry medical records with them? Kind of like our developing porto. Porter? Not yet. Okay. Not yet.
3: I'm sure they will down the mm-hmm. line, but not yet. So you yet. definitely
1: need your own medical records for your animal.
3: Even if you get a paper copy, I always keep a paper copy with me in a plastic sleeve or a Ziploc bag to make sure it's water safe and everything too. And also you can even put it in a little disc or something like that. So you can give it to a veterinarian on the road. So they have your complete medical history for your
2: dog or your cat. Five years ago, I lost my black cat. And when you're looking for a cat you're looking for a black cat, uh-huh. there's probably a million of them. It wasn't the nighttime,
1: does it? Was no. it, yes. it was. <laughs> of, course. of course. We just Myself. talked about that. Yes. White dogs in the winter and yeah. black cats yeah. at yes. night.
2: <laughs> and for four weeks, he was gone. And I received a call from a local uh, veterinarian here in Plover. And he said, are you missing your kitty? And I went, Yes. How do you know? Because we've got them right here. Wow. That's awesome. We preach, spay, and neuter, don't we, Dolores, all the time. But I'll tell you what, microchip is right up there with my uh, big list. Yeah.
0: That's a happy ending to a great story. (laughs) Yes, it (laughs) is. Or a sad story, I should say, but a great ending for sure. You had mentioned this earlier, too, about getting your pre-travel veterinarian checkup. And current vaccinations are also important before that trip as well. So there's a lot of things to really consider more than ever than I ever thought. Also, knowing your route of your trip, you should have emergency contacts, I would think, loaded right into your phone. Absolutely. In case something happens.
3: I would have emergency contacts all the time, both for you and your pet. You might be in a hospital unconscious and where's the pet? Who do we call? What do we do? So always have contact information. Even like in my cat's carrier, what I do is with a magic marker, I put down my contact information just in case the paper gets lost. It's permanent marker on the carrier. If you can have that, even a lot of times, uh, leashes or collars or something also have just the dog's name and a phone number. You don't have to give out your name for personal problem, you know, problems that may arise,
2: issues like that, but at least have anything you can think of would be beneficial to you and your pet. If your dog has health problems, you'd want to write on there, dog has diabetes. Kills in zipper part of his tote where he where he's sitting. Dog allergic to. Dog has been treated for tick and flea. Um, you might want to have some of that information on there because if you're going to Montana in the spring or our local Wisconsin marshes yes. in the spring, you're going to run into wood ticks. But there's information like that. Like Dolores said, you could be in the hospital. And that's part of what we do here. We do take a lot of pets that have been in accidents here. And sometimes we don't even know their name. And it just helps the animals survive. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that microchip.
0: That seems to be number one here. Oh, it is.
2: It truly is.
3: And like I said, at least the microchip will get that dog safe to you. But also then the veterinarian can provide the information, you know, if there is any medical issues and all too. I think they should have it for people.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) As we've mentioned in our podcast in the previous uh, sessions, we always talk about having a winter emergency kit in our trunk. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking we should probably have a kit for our pets as well. Always. We do actually have a link out there on our website at All About the Car Podcast with a nice list of the things you should have in that kit. What are your thoughts on a kit for your pet?
2: I always have one. When I was with the Red Cross, I used to sell them. They were
0: pet travel kits. (laughs) There we go. And
2: they even had tweezers in them, and they had a little antiseptic patch. They had gauze, even a, a proper, I think, sterile pad and bandages as well. But of course, nothing takes the place of a vet. Right.
3: Yeah, always keep emergency supplies for your pet. I always have a bag. I drive my husband crazy. Like, no, you have to take this. (laughs) It's like, nothing will happen. I said, it will if you don't take it. That's right. (laughs) All the the time. Murphy's Law is always there.
0: (laughs) Well, we've covered a lot today. We really have the complete program here for traveling with your pet, without a doubt. We talked about the pets are our family. They're our kids. They need a vacation, too. And we talked more about the pet restraint systems the different types what's best what works the best what not to do and also health and identification we took a side trip also to the dells for a boat tour dog friendly boat tour and we have a link on our website as well at all about the car podcast so make sure you check that out and get more information on a trip to the dells so right along with us next time and we'll be talking with adam and lynn of the bluegrass americana band horseshoes and hand grenades you won't want to miss this one where it's all about the car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or simply send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.